Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, September the 20th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And what do we do on Mondays? We examine lessons from the following Sunday. That's the 18th Sunday after Pentecost, September the 26th, 2021. And the lessons are from Numbers 11, James 5, and Mark 9. Now, occasionally, Pastor Mark Smith, who is with me on Tuesday's rumination where we look at a hymn, spoke about the fact that often the Old Testament reading is connected to the gospel. What does that mean? That means that there are similar themes in each of them. The epistle is right now from James, and we've been reading that for a number of weeks. It's isolated from the Old Testament and the gospel. So today I thought I would give you an example where the gospel is also understood by the Old Testament reading. It's Mark 9, beginning with verse 38. The apostle John, a disciple, says to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. So he wasn't part of the group that was following Jesus. And that group was more than the 12 disciples. Remember, after Judas committed suicide, they had met to decide who would be the 12th kind of apostle. And one of the criteria for deciding who it would be, it had to be with somebody who was involved with Jesus' ministry while he was here on earth. And they chose Matthias. So there were not just the 12 disciples, but there were a number of people who kind of followed Jesus around and who were instrumental in his ministry. But John is talking about someone who was not part of those who were following us. And therefore, he told Jesus, boy, we need to stop him. But what does Jesus say in verse 39 of Mark 9? But Jesus said, do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name, will be able to soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Now, when you hear the word reward, you think about, oh, so if we give cups of water to people, that means we're going to merit our way into heaven. We get a reward. 
But no, Jesus uses the example in the parable of the sheep and the goats. Remember, he compliments the sheep for the many good works that they have done. And, well, one of them is giving a drink to those who are thirsty. Now, the sheep don't remember all of these works. But Jesus says, Whatsoever you did to the least of these, my brethren, you have done unto me. So Jesus here makes a very good point that you don't have to be one who is known among the followers of Jesus. These people probably heard Jesus' sermons and they went ahead and through faith they were able to cast out demons in his name. And what Jesus says is, it doesn't take long for someone like that. He will not be able to speak evil of me. Now, I said to you that the gospel is often involved with the Old Testament reading. And the Old Testament reading is from Numbers chapter 11. What's happened is the people are upset with Moses because they're not getting the kind of food that they want. And Moses actually speaks to God. He says, where am I to get meat to give to all these this people? That's verse 13 of chapter 11. For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, remember Moses is talking to God, kill me at once if I find favor in your sight that I may not see my wretchedness. So Moses is telling God he's simply not capable to be taking care of all the needs of the people. So in verse 16, the Lord says to Moses, Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. Now, we know that there were about a million people that Moses had brought across the Red Sea. And they were divided into families and groups. And there were certain elders and officers over them. And so what God is saying to Moses, bring those individuals to me. So verse 24, Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Now, the tent, of course, kind of was the tabernacle of meeting where God was, where they would worship God. And here they're standing around the tent and the Lord 
came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. And so God gave them a gift of the Holy Spirit. So they began to prophesy. Now, the Bible doesn't say what they were saying, but the word prophesy has two meanings. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're telling people about the future. It also can mean you're telling them about the present. For example, it is not an error to say that when a pastor preaches a sermon, he is prophesying because he is using the word of God. Now, sometimes he does talk about the future, like Gabriel did with Zechariah, saying, you and your wife Elizabeth will have a baby. He will be called John, and he will be a great blessing, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he is born. Well, that is telling about the future. But a lot of times, the prophecy is about the present. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was a moment of prophecy where he was telling the people about how sinful they were, not just by deeds. The Pharisees said, we haven't murdered anybody, but by thought and by word. So murder occurs not only when you put someone to death without permission from God, but it also occurs when you speak evil of them or when you have evil thoughts. As our liturgy says, there is no way that you can do anything to get rid of your sin. So, Moses has 70 of the individuals, and they are helping him then in taking care of the people. Well, it's the next section, verse 26 of chapter 11. Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them. Now, I thought it was just the 70 that received the Spirit. Well, the next line answers. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. So they were part of the 70. And when the Holy Spirit was resting on those who were at the tent, guess what? The Holy Spirit also rested on Eldad and Medad. And it says, so they prophesied in the camp. See, not at the tent of meeting, but they were preaching in the camp. Verse 27, and a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Now Joshua 
Remember, he was the son of Nun, and he was assistant to Moses from his youth. Listen to his reaction. My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Now, did you find it interesting that what Joshua says, namely to Moses, stop them, that John said to Jesus, we tried to stop this man because he was not following us. See, there's where you get the connection between the Old Testament reading and the New Testament. And so there's a real lesson here. Moses wishes that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Well, do you think that will ever happen, that all will become a prophet? See, most people think that the gift of being a prophet is really the gift of being a pastor. Maybe a parochial school teacher, maybe a Sunday school teacher, but certainly not individual Christians. But it is clear from the New Testament on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit was not just placed on the followers of Jesus, but on those who had killed Jesus. Remember, they asked Peter, what can we do? And Peter told them something that could not be done by them, but will be done by God. Be baptized. That's a passive. That's something that is going to happen to them. It's not a work they do. It's a sacred work Jesus does. And what are they going to receive? They're going to receive the assurance of the forgiveness of sins. And they're also going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what Moses asks, would that the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put the Spirit on them. That's what he has done. And therefore, every Christian, having been baptized, has received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and through that gift, is able to prophesy. I'm not talking about just the future, but even Christians can prophesy about the future. It happens all the time when a Christian dies. Lay people will comfort those who are grieving, saying, yes, you grieve, but you do not grieve as those who have no hope. And the hope is, the sure hope is that your relative, your friend, whoever has died as a Christian, you will see again in heaven. 
See, that's a prophecy about the future. How do believers know this? Does the Holy Spirit just come into them and give them that information? No. They received it by reading the Bible. Because the Bible is God's word. We remember when Gabriel was talking to Zechariah, and Zechariah didn't believe what Gabriel was saying. He became mute because Gabriel said, I am speaking for God. This is what God is saying, not just me. And of course, that was a sin on the part of Zechariah and why he remained mute until the birth of John, and he named him John. So what we have here in both the Old Testament and the New Testament is a prayer by Moses that the Lord's people were prophets. So I've given an example where a Christian can talk about the future and be sure of it because it's in the Bible. But can they talk about the present? Well, the gospel promises of Jesus contain many, many promises that deal with everyday life. I mentioned this before, but it's a good idea to buy a book entitled Prophecies of the Bible. And what these prophecies do is they give a list of the promises from Jesus to his people, promises that are still going on today. For example, Romans 8, 28, a very common one. All things will work together for good to those who love God. So one can give that promise. You can't give what the good is that will be worked out. That's really God's decision. But I can't think of an occasion in my life where things didn't work out for good. No matter what kind of suffering I was under, no matter what kind of circumstance I was under, no matter what I was concerned about, boy, Am I going to have enough money to go to the seminary? Well, there was no problem there. I had married Louise. She was a registered nurse. An amount that she earned took care of all of our needs, including the seminary. And when I did graduate work, that was free at that time. As long as you were in a course, you didn't have to pay for it. And there were other times I was able to take free courses because they were made available to graduate students. So all of my concerns, am I going to be able to pay my way through the seminary, were taken care of. Now, today, there were some students, I'm told, that had big debts from college and the seminary asked them to go to work for a year or two and pay off those debts before they returned to the seminary. 
Because if they did not, they would not only have a lot of debt from the college, but also debt from the seminary. And there were very few congregations able to provide the necessary funds to take care of that. And so they had discovered that set your cards up properly and get rid of the debt before you come to the sim. And we pray that that will happen to them and they will return to the sim. Now, you may hear of a person that you never heard of. For example, I'm always interested in listening to pastors of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, who came from other denominations that did not agree with the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. They were confirmed, and their teaching and preaching is very insightful because they were experiencing false teaching where they were. But now, as a member of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, they are better able to explain that problem, which it could be that members of the Missouri Synod have in believing certain things that are contrary to the word of God. So there's a group of pastors who came into the church who were from a different denomination, became Lutheran, and we don't say to the Lord, stop them because they are not part of us. They become part of us as they give a vow to follow the summary of the Lutheran confessions, a summary of the Bible. In other words, that's why Luther's small catechism is so critical because it is a great summary of the commandments, the creed, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and the Lord's Prayer. When you read Luther's small catechism, you begin to understand how God thinks. That's the purpose of the Bible. It reveals to you the thinking of God. And when you understand the thinking of God, whether it comes through a prophet or whether it comes through an apostle, you are comforted because that's the purpose of the word of God, to comfort people. It comforts them, first of all, by giving them the law showing that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And that's why the gospel, the promises of the Savior, become so exciting, because it answers the questions that we've been wondering about. And therefore, we thank God for the entire Bible, whether it's done by a prophet an apostle, an angel, or any writer of the Bible, because all have been inspired by the Holy Spirit and have therefore written God's will for us.
So, for this coming Sunday, you have an Old Testament reading that Jesus is almost quoting from about strangers who are prophesying and doing things in his name. We ought not be, shall we say, sad over that and say they should stop. In fact, there are a number of denominations that the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, is not in fellowship with in the sense that we will not take the Lord's Supper with them. But there are theologians in those churches who have great insights in certain parts of the Bible. And I have purchased a number of books written by such theologians. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in any Christian. And as long as I can separate the good, what they say, from the bad, I can learn more about God's Word. And therefore, I'm able to prophesy at a deeper level to the people in the congregation. So, we thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we look forward to hearing from others who have that gift. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll be taking a look at a hymn with Pastor Mark Smith. The name of the hymn, Triune God, Be Thou Our Stay. And as we go through the hymn, you will see similar thoughts in the hymn that we have spoken of today. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.